Welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. Uh, it's been a while. About three months, actually. Uh, had a little sabbatical. Um, had some health issues to address and take care of. Um, but I'm excited this week to bring back uh, the roundtable. Um, and we'll go around in just a moment, introduce yourselves, and tell us uh, who you are and why you're here. And uh, what would be your uh, last meal, if so, you had on this earth? Okay, that's the icebreaker today. <laughs> anyway, um, I will uh, do an episode uh, sometime in the next month um, and talk a little bit about the illnesses that I was struggling with. Then I'll have Robert Simpson on to uh, talk about that. All right, so um, good to be back. Good to see all you guys today. Seems like it's been a long time since I saw you. Joking, we all saw each other two nights ago. So. <laughs> Does he remember that we were there? I remember. I so the, the, me- the memory issues just seem to be I thought be you meant okay. in this venue. Yeah, in this in venue. This arena. Definitely haven't seen you in this venue in a little bit. All right. Uh, Zach, you want to start and introduce yourself? Uh, and uh, what would be your last meal? Uh, my name is Zach Schottenstein. My last meal would be uh, probably a chicken pot pie. Yes, any particular one or from any particular place? As long place? as it's got like good crust, you know. Yeah, oh, comfort all. food. I yeah. like it. Yeah, bust the move. Wow. Right, bust, bust the move. Uh, yeah, Brent Hansen, uh, gentleman and scholar. Um, Mench. <laughs> yeah, honorary Mench. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Last meal. That's tough. I just I love all kinds of foods. I know that's a cop out, but I think I I guess last meal would be. Um. Oh, just a crock pot roast, you know, with with potatoes and carrots and all that good stuff. You yeah. Those carrots, maybe some onions. Yeah, a little onion action. Yeah, that probably would be the go-to. That sounds or eat, yeah. That sounds like comfort food too. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course, I would do it without the pot roast. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. I am Sarah Robotham. Strong female lead of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Only. Only female lead of the room. Yeah. Also strong. Uh, My last meal. Brent's working on it. (laughs) Brent's working on it. He's trying to encroach. My last meal would be uh, my mom's Danish that we were just talking about 10 minutes ago. That I'll be having for brunch tomorrow. Nice. I just described in great detail to these gentlemen. Nice. Nice. All right. All right, so we've got a couple topics today we're going to be uh, investigating and exploring and sharing our personal experience. Um, one of the things that uh, is a hot topic, not just with us or with anyone, but all over, <laughs> and when I mean all over, I mean everywhere in this around this world, around this planet, which is marijuana maintenance. Um, we're going to compare that or, you know, to uh, using prescription drugs and what's really the difference. And then, of course, my favorite a piece of this is the tobacco and the nicotine and how um, uh, nicotine maintenance is uh, more accepted than some of the other forms of maintenance, almost expected in some ways. Um, but we'll, we'll get there. And then uh, personal moments of growth. Uh, anything else we want to add to the agenda today? I'm good with that, man. I think we can start out with that. Yeah. See, right. where, see where the trip takes us. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we, we'll, we'll allow you uh, to uh, tell us about your adventure coming up, too. We should probably do that at the end. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So let's start with marijuana maintenance. Um, 
hot topic, hot issue, um, lots of controversy and from different angles. Is it appropriate? Is it inappropriate? Um, there's uh, certain factions that believe that uh, to use marijuana maintenance uh, instead of um, uh, instead of drinking or using opiates is just another crutch. And, you know, a drug is a drug and that's the way it should be. So the only way to make things work is to be completely abstinent from all substances, which, again, is, is difficult for some people because they could be on prescription drugs. Um, and, of course, that would include this is the other argument. It would include nicotine as well. So how does this really fit in in with that? Um, and shall we just dive right into it? And you want to share your story that you've been, uh, yeah, I your mean, journey this last uh, few months? I've uh, been on both sides of the fence. When I initially got sober, I stayed sober of all substances for nearly two years. And then um, had, I believe, two relapses um, on marijuana and alcohol and um after i went back through iop and you know stayed sober of all substances for a while i decided to dabble and explore <laughs> marijuana maintenance because um uh just staying stone sober wasn't working for me all the time i was still dealing with <laughs> that sounded funny stone sober. contradictory yeah <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, when talking about marijuana, probably. Yeah. yeah so I went through like a, uh, I went through a med, uh, what would you say? Meds change. Mm -hmm. So I got involved with Dr. Robinson and I went and decided to change my, well, get some professional medication know, management yeah, yeah. from, from them because I've been on a steady dose of the same medicine for probably eight years and it was having some uh significant side effects that were affecting uh my self-confidence my relationship and i just i needed a change so when i went there i was at the time using marijuana because it was helping me um with some of these side effects so to speak and um well wasn't one of the main reasons you went on i feel like i'm rescuing a little bit but wasn't it due to anxiety as well yeah Sub substantial anxiety <laughs> yeah and um what no call out for rescuing okay yeah was the uh, was there a component of it though zach too that um that whole like well i see other people are able to handle it and it's not a big deal because i know when we were when we went up camping that one time together we were talking a little bit about how it's like yeah you know how how is it that you know my my brother can just have a couple beers and why you know and i don't know was there a component to that too that's uh, funny you bring that that's when it started for me when we were on that that hike yeah we were talking about it not like a little <laughs> over a year ago that one yeah yeah and i i thought about it for a while and then i acted on it and uh it worked for me i mean it currently is working for me although i'm decided i had a realization really that um my internal like deep down feelings were that long term this probably isn't the best best thing for me so in the time that i needed it i used it and um 
it worked for me and I kind of really disregarded everyone else's opinion whether it be black well mostly like people that were black and white they'd give me their oh it doesn't work for me blah 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 but I'd always be like well I'm not you man we're all made up completely differently so um yeah that's where I'm kind of at so we understand the arguments right but the, the primary argument against marijuana maintenance is is the abstinence argument yes about being completely clean off all drugs all psychoactive drugs yeah which you know a lot of people don't look at recovery or sobriety that way i mean it's there's been a huge shift in the past i do say yeah there's been a large shift in the past um, five to ten years, and maybe it's been there forever, but uh, the treatment industry was so focused on everything being abstinent-based, it was it was black and white in its thinking. And we know that that's not good in, in any personal work or personal recovery of any kind, that black and white thinking, it becomes part of the problem. And But there is some truth to be said that we want to be careful with what we put in our bodies that affects our minds. Um, that That is a reality. I agree with that, and um, I just figured everyone's got a different version of sobriety Mm -hmm. in their, you know, in their head, and mine doesn't necessarily need to align with theirs. Um, You know, my DOC is alcohol, and if using marijuana is able to, like, keep me from having a drink or, you know, then I'm good with that, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to drink. I want to be completely sober from alcohol. And that's my definition of sobriety. Because mm-hmm. that's what will kill me. Well, I think we explored this a little bit the other night. <clears throat> and when I say this, we're talking about that this was an issue in a group that you were all involved in. I think there were 25 people in that in the group that night. And so there was a, a, veras- a, a variety, um, array of ideas and concepts surrounding this. And the the notion that, you know, sobriety is, again, something uh, that's related to our, our state of thinking, um, whether it be especially associated with rational thinking, about being able to regulate and moderate our feelings in healthy ways. Um, but it, there's also this other part where it comes down to, and I think this is one of the things that was discussed, was the notion of honesty with ourselves. So... Um, you know, the, the you, got, you got some feedback about this idea of, you know, my being completely honest all the time about when and how I use and those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I got some feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I do think that, I mean, I know one of the worries that some people have in recovery around doing something like marijuana maintenance is it leading down a path to, you know, your original DOC or, you know, escalating to something else. The um, slippery slope. That's the very slippery slope that is <laughs> addiction. But I believe that that honesty piece, being honest with those around you with what you're doing, but mostly with yourself and what you're doing behind closed doors, because... I do believe then at that point, if it does start to become that slippery slope, that if it true, if you truly are being honest with yourself, you'll know when to say when and when to, you know, back away before it does become a problem. I think 
the scary part that can be a bit tricky is knowing when that's going to happen and catching yourself in time before it leads to that next level. I'm glad level. you brought that up because I'm actually right there right now. <laughs> like, I'm in that place where I use cannabis and it worked for that time that I needed it and now I don't really need it anymore so I'm moving on to you know a different view of sobriety for this time that I need it so I guess my sobriety is ever-changing it's kind of malleable somewhat and um, at different times in my life it takes on a different shape so and I like that I, I don't know if I believe that just as I don't think that any recovery is the same or needs to be the same, I don't think that your own recovery has to always remain the same and can't, you know, as you grow and learn and make life changes, I'm not, I don't see why your recovery can't be part of that as well. If you need it to be or want it to be, if what you're sticking with is working for you consistently and you want to keep that consistency in your life, I think that that's fine too, but it's, I mean, every single person is so different with what works for them. I talk about this all the time in my mentorship program because we go over, you know, some people are big into AA and I'm into refuge recovery and some people only do an aftercare or, and, you know, there's something, a piece for everyone. And, you know, right now and for the last few years, you know, aftercare and refuge have been my thing. But if, you know, I want to think of the reality if I look a decade down the road am I still going to be in the exact same place in my recovery doing these mentorship programs and going to aftercare and going to refuge I don't you know maybe and if so that's great but I I don't know that and I don't know what you know my future of recovery holds but I just hope that whatever I need in my life at the time even if that changes that I'm willing to do what it takes to maintain a healthy wholehearted life verse um you know ever falling back on that crutch and for me that would be marijuana too but that's i didn't know you were into weed no <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, mine would not be my point is yeah, not falling yeah. back on a crutch including well no it wasn't a crutch of mine i just mean because that wasn't ever a crutch that would be a new crutch you know oh, me yeah. saying like oh i've never weed's never been a big deal to me i always smoked it here and there it's been a long time way before i quit alcohol so it would be easy i think for me to say oh that might be something i could take on that wouldn't be a problem would be a big deal if i start developing anxiety again in my life something like that mm -hmm. but, but i don't know, know i hear the word crutch a lot and i've been thinking you know is it a crutch if it's helping another part of me, like my anxiety and all that? Mm -hmm. Or is it doing a similar action as a prescribed medication, so to speak? It is, know? yeah. And I mean a personal crutch more than that I think it's a crutch for other people. Well, I think that that's, that's really the, becomes the underlying point. Right. And I think, I, I believe that um, even, I believe that it comes down to this idea 
that if I'm being honest with myself and I'm the I'm able to face my denial, I'm able to still do the work I'm doing. I stay connected. Um, I show up with to my into my communities that I have. Um, I'm honest with those people. I I am open to feedback. I'm willing to listen. Then it's it's really it's probably different in that case. If it's just if if I'm approaching something and I'm defending it and saying that yeah you just don't understand, um, which may be the case sometimes. I mean it depends if some if again it's it's particularly coming from a black and white or concrete perspective. But if I am showing up and I am participating, I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. I'm doing if you know that includes other you know mental health services like therapy and aftercare and other forms of, of uh, you know um, self care. Um, then probably, you know, this discussion begins to, you know, change, you know, drastically in some ways. I mean, one, one of the most amazing things about this discussion is because we're having it because marijuana is becoming, you know, legal most places. Most states now have at least a, a, as a minimum some type of medica- medical marijuana. And, you know, we're getting close to half the country getting close to legal um, uh, recreational marijuana. So, I mean, the dynamic has changed and it should be a discussion we we should be able to have and should be also able to be tolerant of other people's views, I, I believe. I think it's, it's important to be able um, to see this from multiple perspectives because if I was prescribed or anyone's prescribed a prescription drug, um, you could say all the same things about that as well. And it, I don't care what class of drugs we're talking about, um, you know, psychotropic uh, substances put in our body have an effect. And, um, you know, if, if someone's prescribed clonidine or clonabin, for that matter, um, to deal with anxiety, um, it becomes what's what's the lesser of two evils, I guess. And I know that's not probably a good way to look at it because it's, it's comparing in like the apples and the oranges and all this kind of stuff together. And it really has to be dealt with on an individual basis. So the other part is, you know, I mean, is it the becomes the legality of it. Right. So. We still reside in a state where, I mean, we, we passed, mar- you know, marijuana, uh, medical marijuana um, legalization, but we still don't have a system in place to prescribe it yet. You know, it's it, it hasn't happened. But people, I mean, let's be honest, there's a percentage of this state, and I don't know how high it is, but I'm going to guess it's somewhere between 15 and 25 percent probably are using it either recreationally and or medically, you know, so... Yeah, and and then when I say I wouldn't use, I wouldn't want to use marijuana as a crutch. I mean, I guess I also, you know, feel the same way. This is for myself only about prescription drugs for anxiety. And the reason I say that, and I, I have nothing against marijuana. I don't have anything against prescription drugs for that matter, as far as for anxiety things like that. And uh, there was a point in my life where I benefited greatly from being on anti-anxiety medication and at the time I think it's what I needed the difference for me now is that I have gone to a place in my life I've been off of all anti-anxiety medication for a year and a few months I think where before I was at the point where I was having panic attacks probably three times a week I mean like it was to the point where I was really yeah I was um it was three years ago this last summer and I couldn't drive home from work a lot of days had to get a ride home from work so it would be so bad I felt like I couldn't drive so I went from you know that type of extreme anxiety 
through all of my issues with alcohol through treatment and you know the most of the time being on an anti-anxiety medication and when I got to a point in my life a little over a year ago where I weaned off of it stopped taking it and found that I had gotten to a place in my life of where I felt stable without it I guess that's more why I look at it for myself personally as a crutch because whether it be marijuana or something else because I have found a way to live my life without it so to me if I need it that I need to take a look at my life I feel like just on a personal level I can see why I some people might never get to that point I don't think there's anything wrong with needing some type of help because I needed it I I wasn't to a point in my life where I could get it under control on my own yet but now I feel like I have figured out a way to do that not saying I never would if I really needed it I would use it but I would really want to look at okay what am I doing in my life differently right now or what am I not doing in my life that I was before that I was anxiety free you know for the most part well this is also um, the, another big component of this is that we're still addressing symptoms, right? So, uh, right. you know, what, what is the underlying cause that's really going on in one's life that they, they, they need the assistance or the help? And this, this idea of doing no harm, and at least from the healthcare perspective, is probably as equally an important component of this um, as anything else. That, the, you know, a doctor will prescribe drugs, um, to a patient or a client to help them deal with the things that are going on in their lives. We, we know that it's not always black and white even with that concept because of the opioid epidemic that we've gone through over the past 10 to 15 years, maybe 20 years now. It's been a long time. Well, the bummer for me, and this is the way I see it, um, is I am unable to take anti-anxiety meds because... I abused them in the past, so I'm kind of shit out of luck on that one, and the lesser of two evils to me, and honestly, the best option is to smoke the the weed, and... The weed. The weed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, if I, the anti-anxieties, it's just too much of a risk, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I look at... Um, for me personally, uh, I think it is dangerous, and I and because I, I can look at myself, and I used to be very black and white about, especially about marijuana, um, because I was just like, no, to be sober, you have to be. That's that's a drug, and you and if you're gonna say that you're sober, then you shouldn't be smoking marijuana, and um, you know. But it's very hypocritical because again, we, you know, I use nicotine and I use <laughs> caffeine on a daily basis more than I should yet that's the same thing it's a substance that's helping me not cope not cope or whatever or, yeah I mean it's it's still me putting a substance into my body uh, to help me get by if you will or, or however you want to phrase that uh, just like you know marijuana would be for somebody who's having extreme anxiety and so for me that my perspective on the whole thing has changed a little bit and I, I try to definitely be a lot less judgmental and i think a lot of it is like you said paul that marijuana is becoming so I, more mainstream than it used to be yeah i mean i grew up in um 
you know when i was in high school and stuff like if you did marijuana you were you know you were a stoner and you were it all you were bad you know and 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 it was huge negative connotation to it much as much like alcohol um, you probably surfed or rode a skateboard or something like that exactly oh yeah. yeah skater culture yeah right um so yeah and but you know my perspective on it has definitely changed and i've, I've become more open to the idea that it, it doesn't matter uh really what chemical that you're putting in your body it really is it, it is the symptom you know it is yeah. what what is it that you're trying to 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 use that substance for and i think if you're honest about it and because there are people that do have true physiological problems that need prescription medications to help of them course. you know oh, function yes, and so um you know Definitely. completely normal um but um you know these these auxiliary uh, substances like you know marijuana or caffeine or nicotine or whatever. Um, you know if you really look at it and want to be free of all those substances, you know is 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 looking at what 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 is the underlying cause for me wanting to to put that into my body, and do I do I absolutely need that? Are there other ways I could cope without having that? And then being honest about it, like am I am I um, am I using this? Uh, for a direct purpose or am I using this just to escape you know um, having panic attacks that's a, like a real thing you know and so it makes sense to use a substance to get you over the panic attack sure. um, to want to just you know uh, veg out and watch you know while you watch Netflix for a night you know stone that's just you escaping reality and that's where in my mind becomes unhealthy um, but yeah it's I've tried to not be so hypocritical about uh, or be so judgmental about people who use substances because like I think we've we've talked overall here sobriety uh, can be defined by the individual um, and it doesn't have to be a black and white situation well yeah because so. I mean that's why I always refer back to that component those idea of having a you know a sober heart and a sober mind I try to keep it as simple and base about that because I know plenty of people that don't use any substances, really. I mean, maybe nicotine and caffeine that uh, go to meetings around town, but are, you know, are really not sober. They're, they have, you know, they, they're not taking care of themselves and they have, you know, problems in their relationships. And, you know, the, the term that often gets associated with people that are struggling at, at deep levels is, you know, sort of the dry drunk um, you know, uh, approach. And, but again, that's defining for that. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm labeling somebody too, because, you know, do I, are they sober or not? Well, they're clean, they're dry, but are they, have they done the work so that they're really dealing with the underlying problems in their life that keep repeating? You can take all the drugs and the alcohol or the marijuana, whatever it is out, out of someone's life. And it doesn't mean that they actually get to a place where they're able to regulate their emotions effectively, openly. Um, they're, they're become tolerant. And, and embrace diversity, which is really what this discussion is about today, is about learning how to be open and, and embrace other people's idea and not have to def place my expectations of what I think um, on someone else and vice versa. So I, I hope that, you know, that we have the ability to stay open-minded about all this. And really, what's best for me? What's, what really works for me? And have a group of people around me that can give me feedback on that. So um, I feel fortunate 
you know, uh, that I, 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 you know, I, I personally do therapy. Uh, as a, you've heard me probably say a few hundred times, a good therapist does therapy. Um, <laughs> but also um, has people around them, whether it be family, and, and that, that give feedback to me as well. Um, and I'm very, I feel very fortunate to have uh, my partner for uh, 23 years, uh, Kristen, who, um, if she's ever concerned about any of my behaviors, or, no matter what it is, that she'll give me feedback on it. Um, you know, and I, I have an opportunity to look at that and have a discussion with it. And there are times that, you know, the, the feedback is good. You know, take, take a look at this. Is there a blind spot there? Um, and I, I think that's, you know, that's what we're all looking for. And I think that's what this idea of having community brings us is this notion that we can show up and be vulnerable, right? So really, I mean, that's what today is about, too. And I appreciate, you know, Zach, that you're, you're so open about this. Um, and uh, I guess I should be, too. So um, I'm not a, currently a marijuana smoker. It's 50 years ago. Uh, this year that I first started smoking marijuana, um, I probably smoked it for five or six years, and then oh, the kinda, summer of love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was the, yeah this uh, that was 1969. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it, really uh, was. it was it was a great year. Best way for cars, man. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, I have um, I have used marijuana uh, to help me sleep or cannabis, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah, off and on um, for you know probably a few years. Uh, I, I did uh, the medical route though, is I, I went to some place where I could be, see a doctor and get a prescription and 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 took that. That's the road I took, um, and it's been something that. Uh, I haven't used in quite a while, but I, I would be feel I'd be out of integrity if I didn't say I didn't have my own experience with that as well. So, um, and I, I, I guess I don't like to get really stoned. That's not the attraction for me. So I would do something like, you know, that was like four parts of CBD and maybe one part THC. Uh, so, you know, I've had people make fun of me for doing that, but that the purpose of was to actually have something that would help me sleep. Um, and as I've learned over this past year with my medical issues, it was probably a good idea, but I've learned other things to do. Yeah, if you, if you have your eyes open like going into mar medical marijuana or like marijuana maintenance to get stoned you're already like on the wrong path because it's not about that yeah it's about helping symptoms and yeah. not escaping like yeah. Brent said yeah well yeah I mean if I want to alter the way I think and feel all the time then that, that would definitely be a problem that's a so. yeah that's a flag <laughs> <laughs> some people don't see that they blaze right Right oh, by yeah. Blaze. Oh, they <laughs> <laughs> so many marijuana yeah, references. Right. Oh well, and that's why probably tobacco. Um, this I talked a little bit about this. Uh, I don't remember if it was the you know the, the night and group or not, but tobacco when you first for the first okay. So we'll we'll go ahead and, and jump over into this one for a little bit. The the thing about tobacco that's so fascinating, and um, everyone in here has has smoked at one time, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, or smokes now, or vapes now, or something. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, I can remember the first time I smoked uh, tobacco, and um, I got ripped. I mean, I don't know if anyone else did, but, yeah. you know, I mean, I got, I got fucked up. Of course, I was like seven or eight years old at the time, but, uh, you know, I, I look back and think, you know, but every time. 
you know, I smoked it. That was my ex- experience, you know. So what happens is you build up a, a tolerance to it, and then sorry, then you need more of it, and it goes through all the same thing, and you t- stop using it, and you go through withdrawals. And so it, it has all the same characteristics of pretty much any other drug that's addictive, and we, but we talk about it differently within the recovery communities, and we often like give it like this wide berth of, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I'm sober, but yeah, I go through a pack of cigarettes a day, and no offense if you do, but I just think, to be honest with ourselves about it, that if that is the case, then, you know, what, what, why are you, you know, what's the issue about? So we were also talking about, you know, how many people go into treatment. I'm, you know, I work at a treatment agency and I'm always surprised at how many people start smoking in treatment when you're there to deal with drug addiction. And that was me. That was you. Cigarettes? No, no, I've never really been a cigarette smoker, but I mean, I, I have smoked cigarettes in my life, but was never a cigarette smoker. I mean, it was very rare that I ever smoked. Well, we uh, were talking about it the other night. Also, another huge aspect the social aspect. Yeah. You know, yeah, in the recovery you, community. You yeah. hang out outside. Right. You're all so everyone was doing that right going into the house, I said. Feel connected, I feel included, feel mm-hmm. accepted. Yep. I belong. Yep. And I had this weird thing going into treatment. It goes like a little bit deeper. When I went into treatment at the house, when I went to residential treatment, I made a point to say I am not going to start smoking here. But I also, my very first day of treatment felt. I'm sorry I'm so laughing. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> but I also felt so excluded, which I'm sure is very common going in. But my first day there, I remember uh, meeting with the um, psychiatrist, whatever. Um, yeah. When he did like my intake for residential, and it was more or less kind of a why are, why are you here type thing. And then I s- go into the house, and I mean he still supported me being there, but just kind of wanted to hear from me. Like, do you know what you're going to be getting into here? You know, I dealt with about six months of problems with alcohol and super high anxiety. And I didn't have to detox from alcohol. So there were some things that were a little off of what might be the norm Mm -hmm. going into a residential treatment setting. Mm -hmm. And then when I went into the house, started meeting people, you know, their first one of the first questions was, what's your DOC? The second question was, where did you detox? That was just the thing. I didn't know what DOC meant. <laughs> Drug of choice had to, <laughs> that had to be clarified. It's to an me. education, yeah. It it's is, it, yeah. walking into that world and then saying, yeah. "Oh, I didn't have to detox." I started out just feeling a little bit like I want to be here and I think I should be here, but I felt a little bit like I felt the same way. A little exclude, like, and not because anyone was rude or not welcoming, but just because on my personal front felt a little bit like, "Oh, did I make the right decision? Should I be here?" and so yeah, I think that whole inclusion part or the group part, socializing part, when I still didn't want to smoke, start smoking cigarettes because they grossed me out. But when they, we were going to the vape store and I was like, ah, I don't smoke. And I'm like, the only thing I ever really liked smoking is hookah because back in my early 20s, I smoked hookah quite a bit. Went through a phase, you know, owned a hookah and it was like a good socializing Super thing, whatever. Basic. Such a basic bitch. <laughs> yeah, right. And, 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 and a really intense nicotine delivery system. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had you, been years since yeah, I had smoked yeah. hookah because once that, you know, just the, it phased out of my life. 
But when they told me a vape was like hookah on the go, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> hookah on the go. I'm that's in. A good way to put it. I've never heard that. That's, no, funny. that's a great. Yeah. That's and what it is. And so I got it, and all of a sudden here I am. I'm outside smoking with everybody on the breaks, making friends. Like, how uh-huh. sad, pathetic is that, you know? But Why? looking back, that is, and I said, I'll just do it while I'm in the house. This is a, I'm in treatment for hopefully one time in my life, you know, I'm going to do this. And then when I get out, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I went to the house almost three years ago. I'm still vaping. <laughs> I felt very. <laughs> Woo! Go me! <laughs> yeah, I felt very. But I don't use a crutch. <laughs> when I came into uh, IOP, because I hadn't gone through residential, I just shown up to IOP and I felt very like different because I didn't have these relationships that people have forged. Mm-hmm. And then I did see them all go out to smoke, but it just wasn't for me. I had to figure out a different way to like break through that barrier. And it was difficult, but I'm glad I, I didn't pick up the smoking habit. I did pick up nicotine though with pouches, but mm-hmm. it's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, you know, I was, I was joking the other night saying that, you know, it's a, you know, cocaine's cocaine, you know, <laughs> doesn't matter right. how you, yeah. Yeah, what form you get system. it in, you know. So the, the the other part about um, this, I think that uh, is helpful to, to remember, too, um, is that it becomes, especially in treatment, I mean, you're right, it does, the connecting to the community um, becomes a, a way to do that because everyone's doing it, and or most people are, it seems like, uh, and, you know, very few more people start smoking in treatment than stop though there are some that do um but it's it's also that it's using it to to medicate um you know the to deal i mean especially if you're just starting right it's it does help with you know suppressing or putting down feelings because especially the way it works in the brain the the problem of course is Nicotine has the highest anticipatory rate of most all active psychoactive substances. So the brain's already running, you know, through, okay, you know, when can I do this? I've got, you know, so much time then. And when's the, you know, you know, you know, or or am I going to do it in my car? You know, whatever, how long is it going to take me to get down there and that kind of thing. And the, the, the idea is the same kind of all the activities and all the behaviors are the same there. Um, because there's so much life planning around it. So um, mm. this is a tough subject uh, because most point. people yeah. don't want to look at it. And I didn't, I didn't I, think about life planning around that. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. if, yeah, if you is. didn't have it, you, you and you'd think, well, what do I need to do to get it? Right. There's all the basic yeah. symptoms yeah. And, and I think that that's, and planning around it. Right. Yeah. I mean, going into the, you know, the beginning of my story is, oh, I wanted you know, oh, it'll be, I'll socialize, whatever, during in the house. And now I say, you know, here all this time after, you know, 80% of the time I'm not socializing, socializing while I'm using it, you mm-hmm. know, home alone or in my car, you yeah. know. So it's, that piece has gone out the window for me. So it's obviously a different, and I say, you know, I don't want a crutch in my life, like anxiety meds or weed. But, you know, this does bring up a great topic that, but I do have one, yeah. you know. But my look and, on it is, if it's keeping away other shit right, yeah. that is much more detrimental to your life. Right, but and then, then we go, is it. that the same thing as, you know, weed, things like that? And I guess I look at it in a way that I I drank for so long, even before I was 
in my mind, I was always problem drinking. Now that right I look here. back, you know, but Same. I mean, before it was a known, you know, problem <laughs> to other people or even to myself. I, you know, I was in the place where I was always kind of waiting that, you know, oh, the party this it's almost the weekend, so I get to drink, and or oh, I'm almost off work, or you know, kind of built like that. And nicotine's still that same way to me, you know, like, oh, I'm almost off work and now I can go and vape, you know, but the difference being, and I'm not saying that this is a difference, but what I've justified is the difference in my mind is the fact that it's not mind altering at all. And so, you know, I'm completely functional, like I'm not doing anything in my life half ass like I was maybe when I was having problems with alcohol due to nicotine where alcohol was affecting my life in a way that I wasn't being myself. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> we talked about this last weekend, Paul, but I wasn't following through, you know, being the, you know, committed person I was to my, you know, job and responsible and all those things that are innately who I am, just a very, you know, committed, responsible person. And I lost so many pieces of the, that of myself during that time with alcohol where I've rediscovered all those pieces and been able to maintain them with the nicotine usage, you know? So it's hard, I think it's harder for me to look at this picture of the reality of this is a crutch and this is an addiction and this, you know, all these things because I don't see it day-to-day -day playing a super negative effect in my life. I might look forward to it from time to time and be thinking about it like that totally, you know, connected what you were saying about the oh, when's my next time I can go out and do this? Right. I mean, that goes through my head, I think, without even realizing it yeah. does. Well, that's but, because of that, that that anticipatory rate that nicotine has. Right. It already starts working in the brain, and when you hit a certain level of it, yep. it automatically happens. It's, we're not even talking a schema. This is actually a chemical reaction oh, that takes and, yeah. place. Oh, yeah, and I can, I can totally relate to that and see it now looking on that outside. You know, and I, and I don't... I mean, I don't get... A nicotine buzz hardly ever from it anymore. Well, you and wouldn't until you stopped and then went exactly, back to went it. Back to then it, yeah. you'd get a buzz. But that's what I mean. That's how I think regular it is, is that, right. you know, maybe in the morning, like if I'm on my way to work, then I have a puff and I'm yeah. like, oh, I feel a little something. And I smoke the lowest, you know, one. And there's been times when I've been like, oh, I could up it a little bit so I can feel that again. But I haven't. <laughs> I've resisted. <laughs> I used to smoke a six and then I went down to a three and I was like, I'm staying That's there. Like and two, six, Z so, yeah, exactly. I, 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 so yeah. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to agree. I, I agree with what you're saying, by the way, that this you're learning to moderate. And that's really what this comes down to. Right. Is 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 moderation instead of the traditional let me increase and increase this, so I can yeah. feel it more. Right. Yeah. The, the, instead of the, well, or the traditional idea that once an addict, always an addict. I mean, this really throws this, the nomenclature of how we talk about addiction in the first place. And, you know, and traditionally from the disease model that gets probably skewed at times that um, we, we don't always define the difference between someone who's had some substance abuse dependence or some substance abuse abuse and, you know, someone who's, you know, been in full-fledged addiction where the, the brain's been rewired. Um, but the same rewiring can happen from nicotine as it can from, you know, just about any, any other drug. Um, we, and we know that nicotine's very addictive. That's why it's hard to come off of. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, that's just a fact. It's just a fact. I really related to when you, when you said, Zach, like, 
you mentioned earlier you were you said uh well you know i feel like i'm i, I don't ever want to do alcohol again and so the using marijuana is, is is helping me stay off of that path you know helping me not have to go down there and i i do i use do the same thing with nicotine though um instead of uh, it's like, well, I, I you know, I, and I know, I know I can't have a beer, but I can throw in a, a pouch of nicotine, you know, and, and that's, that's, why, that's how I've, ra- and that's how I've rationalized it too in my head sometimes is like, well, at least I'm not drinking, yeah. you know, but yeah. it is, you know, it's, it's still a substance going in, you <laughs> and, know? and the story around yeah. it, that's a perfect yeah. example, right? Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. So I could relate to that. Yeah. That is so true. So. Now, how do we, and that is do, that like, though, like, you know, oh, I'm not getting fucked up i'm still maintaining my life like nicotine's probably not going to make me miss work or you know screw up relationships i mean it could but you know for the most part it won't but but i want to look at it still in a way where i'm not justifying it like nicotine's not going to give you a dui right Right. i mean i can drive i can function i can do everything (laughs) but that's my justification so what i want to do is find a way to work around that and go no this is still an addiction this is still something you're dependent on that you should be able to give up and not use to cope with but i also feel like it doesn't like but it doesn't also, it's not like it doesn't numb me or close down my well, mind like before i, I, I don't know i disagree with that one and and i and i'm first of all i'm going to say before i, I say this I'm, I'm totally willing to be wrong if i am wrong but i I think it does. It changes the way the brain works enough totally that it does sort of filter, and not sort of. I, that, that's that's too vague. It does filter. I I've been a smoker, so I and I can tell you the fascinating. Just a real quick fascinating story is um, I was in massage therapy school with Kristen, my partner, um, and uh, it's sort of when I had. Uh, left uh, the uh, years of cocaine and, and being a stockbroker, and I decided to do something completely different with my life. So, if you can imagine two, uh, you know, um, different types of lifestyle, right? Um, I, and so, I was smoking at the time, and in, while I was in massage therapy school, and um, I quit. And and uh, the strangest. It was it was strange, first of all, because I realized that I had like I, I, was, I was part of the smoking group. Right. And so when I quit that sort of that dynamic began to change a little bit. In fact, um, I also had this experience with Kristen. She didn't know I was even in school with her until I quit smoking. And so it's like there was like this I call it the you know the cone of silence or the the, the fog of silence around me cuz you know sometimes people just ignore smokers because they're smoking whatever belief they have about it is but I quit smoking all of a sudden she noticed me and she asked uh one of her friends, or who, who's that? You know, who's that guy? And who's that and, strapping man? Who, who's that there? strapping who's young buck over there? Yeah, yeah. No, but she didn't. You know, when did he start? And he goes, he's been here for you know five, six months or something like that, right? He goes, no. And he goes, yeah. But I, I mean, she asked me what you know why, and I said because I, you know, I was smoking. And I get that. It kind of, I think there is a veil with it, uh, whether it's a conscious, energetic, whatever it is. It does, I think, and that. And I would say when I was using, it definitely helped me in some weird way deal with some anxiety and emotional regulation. And I'm not, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm not, I don't want to judge that, but it did affect the way I felt. Well, you have some control of what you're putting in your body. Except when it wore off. (laughs) And then my anxiety would go up because I'd have cravings. 
So, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. No, I get it. And that's why I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I haven't seen it affect my life negatively enough to make me see that. I yeah. mean, I, I can see it, but not. You, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I feel like I can, I can see it from an outside perspective, but for me personally, I'm just, I want to kind of disregard. Yeah. <laughs> I want to justify yeah. and rationalize my I would rather my do that. I'm, just like, I'm in the cloud. I mean, I know I, know I, use, I use caffeine for energy. I, I know that too. for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I, that's my go-to. Nicotine for me does, for some reason, even though it's a stimulant, does give me a calming effect. And mm-hmm. so, um, the thing that I look at, what's most de- uh, the most deteriorating thing about using nicotine for me is the financial aspect of it. <laughs> I'm tired of having to pay so much money to to put a substance in my body where I really don't get that great of a satisfaction out of, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at the same time. Um, I don't know. There's the social element of it. There's also just, you know, like I said, now I've used it almost in replacement of other substances. Then sure. it keeps me sober from those. And so it's just like, I don't know. Do you ever feel like, like it's it. like habitual? Like I feel like a big part of it to me is I'm not really getting a lot of the nicotine buzz anymore. Right. It's Has more become routine. this like fixation just of just like, having oh, something yeah. like, and I know it's different because you yeah. don't you know smoke anything but there's still the oral fixation right of having the pouch verse for me like blowing the smoke like the taste that you know it's i mean i can go like smoke it and i and i know it sounds silly but like i don't even really like i can take a big puff but like i don't really inhale a lot of like anything i've ever smoked it's a romantic process like anything else yeah it's like a beer like right, uncorking yeah. a bottle of wine or rolling up right. a jay. Or for me, it's like just... making my coffee in the morning, like making coffee, <laughs> oh, yeah. smoking, like those, these ritualistic things that have, <clears throat> yeah, ritual, like habitual yes, things for joy. me. And the and like wine used to be a big one, obviously. But like that was, it was such a ritualistic, like opening that <laughs> bottle of wine and hearing it pour in. Absolutely. And, you know, all Sound, that. Sound, smells, and right, all that. Right, but now it's like it's just shifted into this is my new habitual. So it's not even that I, again, and I know that chemically there is a piece of the nicotine thing, but it's not like, oh my God, I'm stressed out. I need to go and take a puff of my vape. And that helps. It's more of just, and I, I know there's a piece of that there, but it's more of just like a, it's sitting there and I'm just like, right. you know, I, I don't yeah. know how else to describe just and, that, that and I want that like yeah, puff. I, I want to puff on it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Move us on, man. <laughs> yeah, no, this honestly that's that's why this is an important discussion because it comes down to the issues of you know our dependency on substances and it could be anything we could be talking people we could be talking a substance we could be talking yeah food sugar Yeah. yeah sure yeah. Well, I need to go take a smoke break. So. so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Cut that piece out. <laughs> okay. So, um, we uh, had our, uh, you guys, uh, ha- uh, we had our uh, nicotine uh, potty break. Everyone's back. Um, uh, one thing I want to finish off the part of the last discussion uh, what, with is um, something I did mention, but it's the labeling that we, that, why this gets convoluted. Um, and why that, you know, just watching how our brains do this. I mean, even having the discussion, we start looking at, you know, some possible compulsive use of nicotine when the idea of, you know, am I, uh, you know, (laughs) am I able to moderate these things in my life? 
and that's what this really comes down to. I mean, whether it be, you know, food, sugar, you know, caffeine, nicotine. I probably won't throw heroin and cocaine in there because it's like, I mean, and, and, or Try methamphetamine those. or those kinds of things. But, you know, there's some, you know, uh, some some people do. I mean, and you can't say methamphetamine without saying caffeine probably either because there are some similarities. Um, obviously, um, you know, one's a little bit more of a, a rocket ship than the other. Um, and, and that's probably true for a lot of substances. I mean, you think of, you know, the opioids and you have then, you know, the introduction of fentanyl and then the introduction of carfentanil, which, you know, the, the, which is you take the carfentanil, you can take, you can't take anything more than like the head of a pin or it'll kill you. I mean, wow. they've had um, officers that have found, you know, stashes of that oh. that aren't wearing gloves. They overdose. They get it on their hands and it absorbs and that's it you know wow so not just officers people have gotten had that effect from that so um i think generally to kind of for me and i'd like to go around and get your guys thoughts on this too but as far as that open discussion and we did you know started with marijuana maintenance and i think at least for me it comes down to am i able to moderate my intake of anything in my life um, am I in, in healthy ways so that my sense of integrity of who I am uh, the, and the purpose that I'm that I believe I'm living or the, what I find is my purpose in life that I'm, I have some balance with that. And am I able to show up in my relationships in intimate, vulnerable ways? Um, and then I think if we don't even you know, we don't even need to really talk about substances if I'm showing up in my life like that. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I'd love to have your, your thoughts. I know it does change the dynamic and the parameter. We talk about this. I'm not saying go back to your DOC. I'm, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, um, you know, because otherwise we would say, well, don't use any addictive substances. I mean, because they would be a problem. But that's not also reality. You know, it's about living a, an open, wholehearted life. Yeah, I think you. I think you really, um, for me, anyways, hit hit it home with um, moderation. Can't are you able to moderate it? Um, Because that's why I know that I can't drink is because I cannot moderate that substance. Uh That's what I'm. I would be scared to try or to not try, but to start using marijuana on a regular basis because I feel like for me that would lead me to want to drink. So that's something I don't, and I, don't, I think I would probably you not be able to moderate the marijuana use. And so I think, yeah, the moderation is really uh, the key because I, you know, nicotine, caffeine, sugar, but I think for the most part, um, I'm able to moderate those things reasonably well. Um, and so, and it doesn't prevent me from uh, engaging in other aspects of my life that, that make me a, a whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's moderation of substances, you know, yeah. and if I was prescribed a medication, you know, for, uh, if I did have insomnia and was prescribed a medication for sleep, I would take that medication. Um, and, uh, because I wouldn't, you know, I'd be able to moderate that by just taking it when I go to sleep or mm-hmm. whatever, or whatever it might be. So, that, those are my thoughts on it. Hmm. And I think that's, a, I, I agree with you. And I think that's a healthy way to, to look at it so that it doesn't become about, because the same behavior and the same obsessive or compulsive um, 
be, you know, uh, actions, behaviors, and thoughts can be around sex, money, food, work, anything. I mean, it's it's am I am I living am I living that life where I have healthy relationships? Um, I, I'm connected to my purpose and whatever that is, and I'm living through some sense of authentic, uh, um, authenticity and integrity. Open heart, open mind. Open heart, open mind. Yeah, with the moderation thing, that's the key to it. And then also having a good structure. I don't know a better word to choose. Um, with my partner, we have an agreement. And, um, you know, that helps with the moderation for me, <laughs> you know. Um which brings into the honesty component too, though, which is key. Yeah. Is are you being honest with yourself about these substances that you're taking into your body? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I feel, I feel the exact same way, kind of what I said earlier about I don't feel like nicotine or caffeine for that matter, because that would be my other one, ever prevent me from the relationships I have or my job or my personal growth mm-hmm. or my self-care. I mean, maybe, you know, I'm not, <laughs> vaping is not the best self-care. It's not the healthiest thing. So that, that piece isn't. But, but it's as far not the as, worst thing. Right. But as far as my day-to-day, <laughs> it's, it's not. not. But when I, I guess when Definitely I look at, when I look at myself. Definitely needle in my arm. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. When I look at my life with alcohol, even before I thought it was a problem, it was, it did affect, I mean, my ex and I fought way more intensely when we were both had been drinking if you know so it affected those relationships sometimes i didn't show up as much i mean again this is pre problem i'm quoting right now uh with alcohol you know i don't think i showed up as much you know family doing stuff oh but it's sunday and we were gonna go to brunch and drink you know i mean i just feel like that did prevent me from living my best life and I don't feel I I can say I mean pretty confidently that caffeine and nicotine don't affect those pieces of me or who I am and the Mm -hmm. growth I've has taken place but the moderation part is is key in that I'm I moderate with caffeine Mm -hmm. nicotine I definitely could cut back but I mean I moderate to a point that it's I don't constantly, you know, I mean, I'm not itching for it, you know, all the time or in a bad mood because I don't have it, you know. Um, I mean, sparkling water is probably the one I get more angry about if I can't get or coffee. But (laughs) but yeah, I I think that's that's key. And that's probably why I'm able to justify it. And is that right or wrong? I don't know. But all I know is right now that's that's what I'm doing. It's not affecting my life currently in a bad way and I would like to think if it started to I would recognize that and do what I need to do yeah I I, I'm also always waiting for a reason to quit you know like that's been my bad thing like it was supposed to be out when I was out of the house (laughs) then it was supposed to be when I waiting for a reason to quit when I've been sober a year (laughs) then I'm gonna quit when I when I get pregnant that was always a big one and then now I'm you know divorced (laughs) and you know all this stuff and I'm like now, There's never a good time again. to quit. Yeah. That was my sobriety date, actually, when I kept those kinds of things. Um, was my the day I quit tobacco, um, and I, 
I remember just having this sort of this realization. I was looking at, and I was smoking BDs. I don't know if you know what those are, um, but it's an Indian cigarette. That's Sounds just interesting. The, the, I'm intrigued. I've heard of those. We're yeah. all like, oh, now well, we know we're trying yeah. to do yeah, yeah, and, 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 and I will be honest, they were strong, and they were, uh, there wasn't a lot of processing in them. And um, I, I, they, I got a buzz, you know. I got a buzz from them, and I, me- I remember the, the the last day, and they they, they kind of had a funnel shape to them, but they were just the tobacco leaf wrapped up. And they had different flavors too, like I don't know. They put you clove in it. Yeah, yeah, and Turkish. You know, Probably and, wearing a drug rug too. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny, <laughs> but I can remember that day driving in the car, and I all of a sudden looked down at it, and I just went, "What, what, what are you doing?" <laughs> and I, it just like it was like this whole epiphany felt like it washed over, like a you know, like the the water on the shore break hitting the the shore, and it. And I just went, I, "I'm going to quit smoking," and I, so I, I did this, and I apologize, um, <laughs> even though it was just you know the, the this is my justification. It was just the, the leaf of the tobacco. There was no thing I, I opened the window and threw it out and that was the last cigarette i ever had and that was the start of the greatest wildfire i believe on <laughs> california's record right yeah yeah no it was here and it was here and uh, it was it was in uh, cottonwood heights Cash county will never be the same heights, yeah. Burned down. No, no. so <laughs> i don't look at the idea of relapsing uh, for me on cocaine or something like that um that the idea that what the relapse would be is that i thought it was a good idea <laughs> I mean, honestly, that I mean, way before I ever got near the substance was, I wonder if I could do cocaine again. There's the relapse. Yeah, it's behavioral. Yeah, it's it, well, and that's that's a cognitive, you know, problem. So um, I haven't had that that thought in 20 something years. So anyway, at least thinking it was a good idea. <laughs> I like it. OK, you guys ready to move on or anyone else you want to say anything about Solid. That? Solid. Okay, good discussion today. All right. Well, this leads right into personal moments of growth. So, perfect timing. All right. Who, well, who? nicotine's not one of them. My most notable moment of growth would be when I decided to really get sober from myself, when I was faced with either being shunned really from my parents or you know making amends and moving forward in a healthy direction that was the most notable instance in my life Hmm. and i'm grateful that i chose the right one Hmm. because it's been amazing it hasn't always been great there's been ups and downs but i know it was the right choice and i'm happy i made it Hmm. that's for sure yeah i um i was thinking in fact just just since we've been having this discussion i've I've been thinking because i knew the personal growth topic was going to come up and um i experienced one just last night actually when we were playing softball uh we we were playing sober co-ed sober softball and uh it was the last inning and we were up to bat and our team needed we were down like what 10 runs down 10 runs so we needed a rally obviously and the other team and i was the first one up at bat and the other team was just, and this is keeping the, the, this is sober co-ed softball. We're all there just to have fun and everything. Mm-hmm. But it, it gets competitive. It can get heated and competitive. No, really? Yeah, yeah. Go figure, huh? <laughs> I was hot last night, dude. Yeah, and the uh, the uh, the other team, 
there, one guy in particular started chirping. Uh, he was playing shortstop, and he was just like, you know, just trash talking. You know, pitch it to him. He, you know, give it to him. He's not gonna swing. He's he's scared. He's scared. He's not gonna hit. I mean, just and this was like way over the top of what I've ever experienced in sober softball. You know, and mm-hmm. the catcher started chirping too, and I was just like. Uh, you know, but I may, remained calm through the whole thing and, and everything. And he ended up walking me, and which was a strategy because if I walk, then the person behind me, who is a female, she gets to get on base also. So we get two people on base with no with no risk of no outs. So, um, but usually I look back and and before I I had gone through recovery or started this process of trying to be a better person and, and starting to incorporate some of the principles <laughs> of being a wholehearted person, I would have I would have just said, why don't you just shut up? You know, I would have just <laughs> like you know, I would have went off. You know, and I, or I probably would have like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing so hard and drill this guy with this with the ball, and you know, and I probably would end up fouling out or something. You know, and so just being that. that that moment of just noticing like wow you've really changed in your personality to where you were able to just take that heat and uh you know not be reactive but you know uh, just respond to it let it wash over you and um it was interesting because i can i just think back of the old quote-unquote old brent and he would have lost his shit um, but uh yeah it was kind of cool after after i was able to reflect on the game that you know yeah we just you know we didn't end up winning but that's the side we, we came I, up six runs though that's but anyways good. but it was a good mo- it was a personal moment i noted that that was a personal moment of, of growth to where you know put in a situation to where i would have been extremely reactive and aggressive in the past where mm-hmm. i was just like no big deal yeah I'm with you, man. I, yeah. I want to give you feedback on one thing you said there. Like you yeah. said, I'm, I'm, I'm working on trying to change. <laughs> <laughs> working on trying to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Boy, that, that that that's incorrect. Working on trying to change. Yeah, you have. You are changing. You are, you are changing. You just it's described. Changing. You just oh, okay. described change. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to put exactly. it in, put yeah. it in the affirmational. Right. Exactly. Sense. Yeah. Exactly. Because you you made tremendous. Tremendous changes. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. There was, uh, and then the, the other one that came to mind too was um, I was. Um, well, there was the one. That, well, I'll let Sarah share her her part because it kind of ties into to that one too. But um, I was I was up mountain biking, of, uh, you know, probably about a month ago up at uh, up at Solitude, and uh, I'm at the top of the trail and I'm, I'm going down the trail and the whole time I'm just thinking, all right, I got to get down, I got to get down to the bottom so I can get back up because I got to get four runs in. And, you know, and it was just this like, and I was able to, I caught myself being like, look, you're not even enjoying this ride. You're so focused on trying to just get to the bottom and get back to the top. And, and what does it matter if you get four runs in, you know, if you're not enjoying it the whole time, if you're just so stressed out about getting to the bottom, you're not even racing to the bottom and just to get back up top because you feel like you have to get four runs in in this afternoon when you know you i wasn't enjoying the ride you know and so just i was able to catch myself and stop and be like you know it doesn't matter if you get four runs in just enjoy the experience enjoy the moment while you're on the trail right now 
uh, and you don't need to race down to the bottom. A, it would be more <laughs> would be more dangerous <laughs> to just start racing down to the bottom. But B, I wasn't I that, that anxiety that that was it was giving me anxiety like I got to get to the bottom so I can get back <laughs> to the top. And it's just like what the, what are you what slow are you doing? Slow it down and enjoy it, man. Yeah, just like slow take a beat and just enjoy <laughs> the process of being up in the mountains and doing something that you love doing and enjoy the experience and not worry about you know getting to the bottom so that was a realization too i had that was kind of a mm. moment of of growth i think mm. or noted that i've that i've had had some i've, I've grown i guess that's that's a great that's great a great one too yeah, yeah. And, and of course about being in the moment right being present and, yeah and, and absolutely. acknowledging the impermanence of all of this anyway so that's that's a great that, that's a great moment by the way um this is off topic a little bit so i apologize for diversion here actually i'm not going to apologize screw it um the uh how's it feel to uh look at the uh refuge recovery meeting that uh you were part of starting three years ago Two and oh, a half man, years you're ago. gonna make me cheer up. Um, no, it's just I'm very uh, yeah. It's it's just it's very satisfying, very um, rewarding, I guess, to think back that we started uh, this recovery meeting that's grown, and I think has benefited a lot of people in the process. Mm -hmm. And in me myself, you know, I've you know grown immensely because of some of the principles that we've been mm -hmm. we study week in and week out and and the practices that i've tried to incorporate into my life and so yeah tremendous amount of satisfaction and gratitude really grateful that i was introduced to it by you and that we were able to and we got we had the support to to be able to get the get it up and running and mm -hmm. and the support of great friends to to join in mm -hmm. too and and really keep the group going so very satisfying so th another example of change absolutely yeah, absolutely <laughs> okay sorry for the diversion i just thought about it and i didn't want to free didn't want to forget because really it's a an amazing accomplishment yeah okay back to personal moments of growth oh i'm up all right i it's so cool hearing brent and Zach talk about these things and Paul as well, all three of them. Cause I mean, I'm so grateful to have them in my life and know them. And I've learned so much from them the past few years, just having them in my life. And one of the things I always think is so interesting is these great friendships I've developed. And then hearing these stories of, you know, the changes they've made or how they used to be in past lives, you know, uh, which, you know, I have that myself and thinking how, wow really like you know like imagining brent is like a one to get pissed off and react and you know yeah i know right yeah like <laughs> and i think it's so cool because maybe we all kind of feel that about each other but that just goes to show how far we've come right is that like you i've only known you guys like this you know i mean i i guess i've had i had a couple of relapses after meeting zach but you know not that he was present for and i mean not we've that all I had didn't have mine exactly yeah i mean we've all had some personal struggles and you know we've grown while we've known each other i think absolutely but one of the coolest things is just that i when you guys talk about things from your past like you know extremes and stuff or old you know personalities or behaviors i can't imagine 
those from you now, you know, knowing mm. what I know now. And so I just think, and that, and that same goes for myself. I, I'm at, I think about some of the things that I did and I, I'm like, that's not me, you know? That's one of the things that scared me then and made me, it kind of click that, okay, I think I need some help and I, I think I do have a problem because I was able to recognize that that wasn't me. And now being able to look back and say that definitely wasn't me and, you know, not being able to connect at all with those scenarios or that person I was during during some of the times uh, struggles with alcohol. And so now when I think about my personal moments of growth and I've I've talked about this, some of the big ones on this podcast before being that when I got sober, I it took it the span of about probably about a year until I had done all of this from the time I started to get try to get sober till I made these changes but I I did a 180 on my career um I got out of a long term eight-year relationship um not saying that my old career or my relationship were horrible things uh they both had great parts of my past and but at the time what I, you know, I, that was part of my personal growth was getting out of my comfort zone with those things and finding my own way, finding my self-love again, finding my independence again, finding a, some, a career I was passionate about. So those, those are the big ones that stand out to me when I think about the level of my personal growth and sobriety. But I did, I have been thinking the last couple of weeks about some some other ones that are smaller maybe not as they don't stand out as much but when I think about them they're actually pretty great which one being that the accountability I have now with myself which I've talked to these guys about the other night at our at one of our groups but when I look back to my struggle with alcohol towards the end there I, my husband at the time was watching our, my credit card statements. If I was going to the grocery store, if I got cash back with a debit card, you know, he wanted to see our receipts to see if I did get cash back. If people owed me money, such as my, someone in my family owed me money for something, they didn't want to pay me in cash. I mean, there was all these <laughs> things that, you know, I, I was basically acting like a child and people can trust me. So that's how I was being, you know, treated in return, which is <laughs> understandably so. And I'm glad that I'm glad that they did that, uh, honestly. But now looking at the last couple of years, I have, over the last year and a half, I, you know, I did get divorced and I bought my own condo. I'm now, you know, I live alone. I am completely 100% in charge of my own finances. No one else looks at anything. No one checks up on me anymore. And... I, well, not in that way. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> People check up on me because they love me. They want to spend time with me. Yeah. It's not the same type of checkup it used right, to be. Yeah. A, yeah. Are you haven't answered your phone. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like people literally stopping by mm-hmm. to make sure. And yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, I can see that fear sometimes still in my parents. If I don't, if I'm taking a nap or something, don't respond. And then I'm, I kind of get lazy about yeah. getting back. I, I know my mom will never ask me mm-hmm. and her and I have discussed this. She'll never ask me if I have been drinking, but she... I can tell gets a little bit more obsessive about making sure to get in touch with me and I and that's fair you know and 
I know it's definitely more infrequent than it was when I first got sober, but I, I still can see that she maybe may have moments <laughs> of, especially if she's concerned, like if I'm going through something that's kind of hard or, you know, having some struggles in my life, which still happen. But through the struggles I have had in my life the last couple of years, just changing careers again, getting a divorce after eight years together and leaving my life, that life kind of behind and starting over, I somehow became accountable mostly to myself. I don't take, you know, drug tests anymore because I'm not in a place of treatment where I'm doing that. I don't have that for my job, but I haven't even that thought hasn't crossed my mind to oh I'm alone I'm independent no one's watching me so now I can drink if I look back to a couple of years ago I mean if my husband at the time was out of town for a night it was like oh, I get to drink tonight you know <laughs> or if I got some cash somehow that someone forgot and gave me I mean those things were such a trigger for me I was like All right, I'm on it and just knowing that that thought hadn't even crossed my mind until about a week ago that, wow, I've been living alone this whole time. No one's checking in on me. No one's checking my money or my finances or my credit card statement. And yet I haven't thought about or been tempted to use that time to drink. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty damn cool. So I'd say that's probably one of my big moments of personal growth that I realized was it's one of the first times in a long time that I've been able to be accountable to myself and honest and to yourself honest to myself mm-hmm. exactly that integrity piece mm-hmm. you know like the whole who are you and no one's watching thing to and me that's the whole thing exactly in my eyes yeah. that's and for some reason that hadn't really clicked you know that I think all these other things are the big parts of it but really that's that's huge you know it's I can yeah I can still have that integrity uh, and know what's best for me as far as alcohol goes at least and not bring that into my life when I've been having hard times or if I'm bored or if I just think it sounds fun or whatever it may be you know that that I don't use the whole well now I'm alone and no one's watching so I can do this piece to justify it you know I may justify my nicotine and caffeine, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really strength building too. Like when you can get through those some of those moments where you you do have, you are having challenges in your life, uh, and you you are just left to yourself. You're not, and it would be very easy for for you to um, to self medicate, and nobody would know. Um, and then you make it through that, and it's like, yeah, you know, I made it through that. I didn't ha- I didn't self medicate. I went back. I went back over last this last Memorial Day. Uh, I went backpacking by myself, just myself, um, and uh, down in, in southern Utah. And the thought did the thought crossed my mind at that time. Is like you know you could you could stop and pick up some alcohol and you could backpack it in and you could drink that night around the campfire. Nobody would know. And the next day, you know, you backpack out and you go back to life as normal, right? Nobody would know except you. <laughs> except you, yeah. And yeah. And now the only person that matters. Yeah, which is the only person that matters. And that was like, and that's a real strength building moment to go through that some that being exposed to that experience and the, and not. Uh, you know, ch- choosing the wrong thing to do, um, and uh, yeah, I think that those. It's very. Uh, I don't know. It, it help. It continue, It helps build that stronger foundation of of integrity and and uh, being true to yourself. 
Yeah, and I think, don't you, like, feel a little bit of a sense of pride sure, you know, in yeah, yourself absolutely. when you go through something like that? Or even for me, just when I had the realization, I was like, wow, pat on the back. Good job, Sarah. Right. You know, I'm proud of you. You self-validation. You, you know, it Way is. To go. You know, and no one has, no one's around me going, oh, you've done this and that. You know, I mean, I have a lot of support and people in my life that, you know, are proud of me, but... When I look at pieces like that, I'm like, that's just all me. And I can look at that and go, not disregard it, you know, and go, hey, that is a big deal. Because a couple of years ago, that would have been, yeah. Well, so. it's, it's when we live our life for us, ourselves, yeah. instead yeah. of someone else, yep. you know, or the acknowledgement or the validation from, R- someone, from else. someone else. We're doing it for us. Mm-hmm. That's a whole it's different. pretty cool. That's a whole different place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Did, did you have anything? I can't remember if you... A uh, side note, um, don't go camping alone unless you're very skilled. <laughs> I, uh, I went by myself, got completely lost. Um, very dangerous. <laughs> huh. um, also, I'm going to be moving away from the Wasatch community, which has been my, you know, Stronghold. everything <laughs> in getting sober and my community. And I'm not, I'm although I'm leaving them behind, I'm going to stay in touch, but um, I'm moving on to Arizona and have some opportunities to uh you know move on in my life and my relationship and it's going to be cool another chapter in the book so to speak so another chapter how exciting zach signing off maybe a celebrity appearance in the future <laughs> but you'll you'll be back yeah in some form you'll be back i'm yep. not yeah this is this but it may be a little bit yeah by all means all right Welcome back, guys. Nice way to to, to come back and uh, start this over again. Um, I don't know when this next one will be out, or but it will be soon. Um, I will be on at some point uh, with Dr. Simpson, uh, Robert Simpson, my friend and colleague, talking a little bit about my adventures these past few months um, as uh, I went through some life changes as well. All right. Um, We want to thank you all for listening. Um, And uh, it's good to be just another bozo on the bus. Thanks, guys. We'll, uh, We'll go out as we usually do with a little Joan Osborne.